We have a list on our website, warrockandajax.com, called Every Story Ever. What we're doing is we're taking lists from our listeners of three comic book stories, and then we are placing those stories on the list from best to worst comic book stories of all time. Now dig this, Matt. Y'all know I love stationery. Y'all know I love to take notes, I love to write, I love to write on paper, I love to write notebooks. Matt, what'd you get me for Christmas this year? I got you notebooks and pens and organizers. Correct. I love it. Uh, And I find that it genuinely helps me remember things better, as opposed to typing them or like putting them on a, a text file or whatever. Actually writing something down physically helps me a lot. It helps me organize my thoughts. It helps me get my work done. And ever since I got my new uh, iPad and I got the Apple Pencil with it, I have been doing that on there, and that's great. The only problem I've had with it, it doesn't quite feel like writing on paper, which is a feeling I like. We have the solution to that problem. That's right. Paper-like. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's a screen protector for your iPad. It uses a proprietary technology called NanoDots. With those nanodots, you feel the natural resistance of paper on your iPad screen. It is a paper-like feeling on your iPad. So if you're drawing, if you're taking notes, if you're using your iPad like you would a notebook, here's the way for it to really feel natural. And Chris, I know you love that. You you have an iPad, you got a paper-like, and I'm sure it's, it feels just right for you. It does. It feels great to use. Also, Matt, you know I'm very particular about paper. I have yes. specific brands of notebooks that I will and will not use. And paper, like, feels good on the iPad. Uh, they also make accessories for the pencil to make the pencil a little more comfortable to hold. They make uh, accessories to help you clean the iPad as well. They've got it all. The ability to handwrite notes in a digital form is great to begin with. But getting that extra tactile feeling that makes me happy while I do it, <laughs> that gives me that little dopamine, that little serotonin burst that I like to have, is fantastic. The latest version of the Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils designed for maximum picture clarity. You're not going to lose any of the definition of your iPad screen if you put a Paperlike on there. And these foils are developed exclusively for paper-like products. It also always comes in a set of two, so you have a spare. Look, we know a lot of artists listen to this show. If you're an artist and you're looking for a way to make drawing on your iPad feel a little bit better, this is how you do it. So, to pick up your paper-like, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, click Buy Paper-like, and select your iPad size. From now, right now, until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their Digital Pro Planner Bundle at no extra cost for every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. So if you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com Ajax to get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special War Rocket Ajax bonus episode 
This is the Every Story Ever special for February of 2015. We are your hosts and the arbiters of all things quality in comic books. My name is Chris Sims. With me as always, the inimitable Matt Wilson. And Matt, you're number one on my list, buddy. Thank you, Chris. Uh, You're my number one as well, and you cannot nimit me. It's impossible to nimit me. Can't, Can't be done. Can't be done. Well, we have uh, some Every Story Ever lists to get through. Let's see how many we can plow through in an hour. From our line steppers. Here come the line steppers. Who uh, were gracious enough to help us out on Patreon. If you are not familiar with the concept of Every Story Ever, then uh, wind this back about a minute and uh, listen to the new theme music that we have been given from Lyndon Kaiser, who was uh, really cool in putting together clips of Chris and I explaining what Every Story Ever is all about to music, which will be our theme music for these specials for the foreseeable future, because it uh, makes us not have, it makes it so we don't have to go through and actually explain this stuff. And yet you're explaining the theme song now. (laughs) Well, that's a one-time thing. (laughs) Okay, okay. All right, let's let's do a list. Let's let's call up a list here. This list is coming to us from Ryan Hillis, a longtime listener. The first one he has here is Knight and Squire, which I am assuming is the miniseries by Paul Cornell. Uh, Uh, yeah. Do you remember who drew that? Uh, Jimmy Broxton. So okay. Not a, not an artist I'm super familiar with, even though I thought that miniseries uh, looked very good. Oh, yeah, so did I. I, I. It is no secret I love The Knight and uh, particularly The Squire. I'm a huge fan. Uh, do you know who else I'm a huge fan of, Matt? Paul Cornell? Jarvis, uh, Jarvis Poker, the British Joker. <laughs> That's who oh, yes. Yes. He's... What a wonderful concept. <laughs> I love the idea of Knight and Squire, and I have loved the idea of Knight and Squire since I uh, first encountered them, you know, reading uh, JLA in the late 90s in the Ultramarine Corps and kind of realizing that the uh, Club of Heroes story had happened. You know, that was something that I went out of my way to track down Uh, because I love that idea. I love the idea of the Batman of all nations because the thing about comics is, you know, you don't you don't see stuff that doesn't take place in very specific locations very often. Right. Uh, in Marvel comics, you rarely see things that take place outside of New York City. In DC comics, you rarely see things that take place outside of these specific fictional locations, uh, especially America. Like you, you will see Superman plugging up a volcano in the South Pacific every now and then, and that's about it. Uh, so the idea... That there was not only you know not, not only the Batman of all nations, not only the Club of Heroes, but that there the thing that uh, Paul Cornell does really well in that series uh, is and something that Morrison does really well too when when the Knight and Squire show up in uh, in Batman Incorporated is that it really does feel like they have a long history that we just haven't been around for. Uh, and there are so many really, really clever touches in that. I'm a big fan of Jarvis Poker, the British Joker. I love that they have a butler who's an American. That's hilarious. Yes. <laughs> uh, and also, I just, I really, 
Beryl is one of my all-time favorite uh, underused characters in comics. I love her costume. I love uh, I love her name. I love everything about her. I love that she is she has that weird golden age origin uh, of you know she she grew up poor but she uh, read everything in the library <laughs> and so now she's a super genius. Uh, so support your public libraries, everybody. That's that's the what you need to take away from that. Uh, that said, I do feel like Knight and Squire, the miniseries, as much as I love it, is I don't want to say ultimately forgettable because that you know that sounds really bad, but like, and it also you know we're falling into the trap of things being important over being good. Which I, th- I like to think that we stay away from that little trap, don't you? Sometimes we do rank things by importance or, or include them on the list because of influence and importance because it's impossible to to not do that. I think this series – it's it's less a matter of importance with this series, though, as I think it is a matter of expectations and whether this lives up to them because – it's really like not Knight and Squire showing up in, you know, the the Club of Heroes and in Batman Inc. and in, you know, in that Morrison run and getting the little tastes of those characters and feeling like there's so much potential in them. In all those various Batman, right? Or and Batwomen and and Batman analogs. And then you actually try to put them in a story and you know, some of it feels maybe a little rote, or it, you don't see the potential that you saw when you got them in small doses. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that's ultimately the downfall of the series. In a vacuum, this is a very fun miniseries, but I think it's kind of weighed down by expectation. See, I I kind of feel the opposite. Like, I feel if we're judging it by whether it lived up to the ex- expectations of seeing those characters in bits and pieces before, then I think it really does. Like, I think this is kind of exactly the series you want from these characters. It, and, you know, I, I feel like it's, it's very comparable to uh, Captain Britain and MI-13 in that way, where it's this, you know, interesting take on... Uh, on... The, you know, British superheroics filtered through an American lens and then filtered back through the lens of British creators. I think the trick of doing a series with characters like these mm-hmm. is like not to just put them in a cool situation and have clever ideas. Paul Cornell has clever ideas for days to spare. I mean, that is true. I mean, we just, you know. Captain Britain MI-13 is a book that's almost entirely built on clever ideas. Yes. But I I think you kind of want a little more depth in there, too. And if if there's one major complaint about what that series lacks, I think it's a a kind of depth. I think that's a fair complaint. But I I think we can all both agree that uh, Knight and Squire is – I think it's going to be certainly above average – it's certainly one that is going to beat a lot of stuff by virtue of the going out the door test, you know? Yeah. Um, the, where I'm looking on the list right now is somewhere in the area of the middle. Uh, I mean, we, we can go ahead and say it's like it's not as good as Vampire State. 
if if you just want to purely compare it to other to other Paul Cornell British superhero books. I'm looking in the in the neighborhood of the New Frontier. We three Power Girl. I think it's comparable to Power Girl. Yeah. Uh. I think yeah, I, I think that's a good neighborhood for it because right around uh, Power Girl we also have Thorcules, which is another really like you know disposable for lack of a nicer term uh, story, but that's also really really good and really fun and just really solid enjoyable comics that you know maybe you know maybe it's not going to make anybody's list of uh, essential graphic novels you need to buy ten years from now, but. Very fun times that you could do a lot worse than picking up. Like I would say, I would say it probably goes below Power Girl, above Thorcules. I think that's fair because that Power Girl runs really good. It's very good. Uh, I agree. Okay. Next on Ryan's list is Nightfall. <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy! Now this is not Night Quest or Night's Quest. This is Nightfall. The Batman getting his back broken story. So this is just the, what is it, 19 part? Yeah. Uh, 19 part Nightfall story? Okay, here's the trick with Nightfall. Matt, if you don't mind me, if you don't mind me kind of going into this. I, by all means, take it away. I, I've, I've said this before, and it's something that I, I got from a friend of mine, uh, my friend Scott. Uh, Nightfall and Death of Superman. Both came out around the same time. They're both like that era of DC. Those are the stories, you know? The thing about Death of Superman is that it starts off really, really dumb and gets really, really good. Like, if you actually sit down and read it, it is a story about Superman being punched to death by a bone monster. But then you get a lot of really good stuff out of it. Like, the the big joke about, you know, uh, Superman dying and being replaced by four different guys. Like, that's... You know, that's funny and that's weird, but that story is actually really good, and right. a lot of good stuff came out of it. We we have ranked Reign of the Superman and uh, higher than you might expect. <laughs> higher than you might expect. I mean, it's still, like, it's not great, but it's it, it's pretty good. Nightfall is the exact opposite. Nightfall starts out brilliant. Yeah. And then eventually, like, it goes a long way and gets really, really bad. Yeah, I mean, but, like, it, Nightfall suffers from Clone Saga Syndrome, where there's a seed of a good idea in there, and it just drags on and on and on. Yeah, I mean, like, to the point Nightfall where like, is 19 ending. parts, and it's just the first part. Yeah. That said, I think Nightfall stands up, because, like, when it really starts getting bad is when you start getting to Night's Quest, and... Asriel Batman, you know? Yeah. I, I, I mean, Asriel Batman is a good idea that kind of goes south on him. Like, Prodigal is also kind of a good idea that kind of goes south on him. And Night Quest is just pretty much garbage. Yeah. Um, but, like, Nightfall is... Like, the great thing about Nightfall is that, like Death of Superman, Nightfall makes sense. Well, here's, uh, here's, here's what's really good about Nightfall. It's a villain, Bane who I think has been diluted over the years. But if you go back and you read those... Oh, undoubtedly. ...initial Bane stories, he's he's brilliant. He is absolutely brilliant. Because 
you know, what is Batman? How is Batman different from other superheroes? At least in the DC universe, he is the most human, right? Like he he can be worn down. So Bane's entire plan is about just wearing him down and wearing him out until he can be broken, which is such it's the kernel of a great idea for for pitting someone against Batman. Yeah, and it's and it's the the idea that what's Batman going to do? Not go round up all the criminals? Like right. He he puts Batman in a situation where uh you know, it's 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 very true to his character in a way that Death of Superman isn't. Like Death of Superman is Superman and a bone monster punching each other to death, and that's, you know, it's dumb. Like why doesn't he do any, you know, any number of other things to solve that situation? The with Nightfall, Bane blows Arkham Asylum open with a rocket launcher. <laughs> All the criminals get out, and then Batman is kind of in a position where he has to run the gauntlet. He has to fight all of his bad guys one after the other because the alternative is not fighting them, and he can't do that. Uh, and it's kind of the first time you really, really get. Batman going all out against everybody one right after another. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of really cool stuff in that. And and, and I, I will say, you know, he can have all the gadgets on earth and he can be he can be infinitely rich, but he's still a man who can get tired. Uh yeah. and 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 ultimately just be you know, have that stubble that is the universal comics representation of being tired. <laughs> it really is. And you know what? Uh, the weird thing about Nightfall is it's it's not the last Jim Apero comic, but it should have been. Like, Jim, like that is the end of the Jim Apero era of Batman. Yeah. Uh, like, and I'm not saying Jim Apero wasn't still good and Jim Apero, you know, didn't still do great work or, or shouldn't have gotten great work out of that. I'm just saying, like... It's you know, hey, it's the '90s now. <laughs> like, hey, this is this is what we're doing now. Your Batman is not this guy. Like, ba- the the guy who goes over Bane's knee is Jim Apero's Batman, and the guy who comes back is like the Kelly Jones Batman. <laughs> yeah, you, that's, I, I like that's very true. I like Nightfall. Uh, I actually like Nightfall. A lot. Like, I don't. It's not in my favorite Batman stories, but like, it's a good idea that was done pretty well. Uh, you know, for every little bit of of bad dialogue, or, or every time the story kind of takes a weird bad turn, it 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 balances it out with something really good. Like the the scene in the issue, uh, what is it? It's it's four seventy eight. Is it something like that? The 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 breaking of the bat issue. Yeah. Uh, like the scene where. Alfred, you know, Bane beats up Alfred, and then you know Tim Drake runs over and finds him, and and Al- like they have to have a conversation. Like, do we call the cops? Do we call the ambulance? Because you know Bruce Wayne is getting the shit kicked out of you know Batman's in Wayne Manor with the door to the Batcave open, getting the shit kicked out of him, and he might die. Like it's it's a really good conversation that they that. that you don't think about until it's happening. Yeah. Like it's and Nightfall's and, Nightfall's got a lot going for it. Again, Nightfall I think is largely maligned because of what came after it. And don't forget that uh that 
I mean, Batman, the most human hero who is pushed to his breaking point, uh, recovers by his nurse coincidentally having psychic powers that heal him, and then she just goes away. Yep. Chandra Kinsolving gets a bad ending. Okay. Is it better? Here's the big question, I think. Better or worse than No Man's Land? Which is, I'd say, the 2000s version of, of Nightfall. I... No Man's Land is certainly a better accomplishment. We ranked No Man's Land really high when it first came up, and I think one of the reasons that we did that was because it hangs together really well for being yeah. 52 comics. Yeah. And and uh, and is consistent and doesn't I mean, you know, it does it's no mind-blowing story by the time that it ends, but it doesn't like have some incredible precipitous drop off. Uh, yeah, th- there's quality. no uh, there's no World War Three in it. You know, there's yeah. no like like when in late November, early December of 1999, there's no like scrambling to fix it before it all ends. It all like comes together really well. I enjoy No Man's Land more than I enjoy Nightfall. I enjoy individual pieces of No Man's Land more than I enjoy Nightfall. Uh, historically, I think Nightfall is more important. But I don't think Nightfall is as good. Okay. Is it better or worse than Reign of the Superman? I think it's better than Reign of the Superman. Okay. If we're only counting Nightfall. Here's what's between No Man's Land and Reign of the Superman. Incredible Hercules against the world. New Teen Titans, The Judas Contract. Deadpool by Joe Kelly and Ed McGinnis. I think it's... You know, I think it goes under all of those. So just above Reign of the Superman. What? Do you think it's better than Against the World? No. No, it's not. It's not as enjoyable as Against the World. No. So that's where it goes. Right above Reign of the Superman. The last one we have on Ryan's list is Rom Space Knight. Oh, shit. <laughs> Y- y'all know I love some Rom Space Night. We might have to disqualify it though, because that is eighty issues of comics. Yeah, it's and it's, it's not like it's not all a consistent story. You could have given us one to twenty-five. Yeah, because it's, that it's like, too much. I mean, look, we ranked Starman all as one thing, but it is one big story. Yeah. Also, Starman is the product of a completely different era than Rom Space Night. Yeah, I think we're gonna have to disqualify. Rom Space Night in its entirety. Uh, in its Ryan, entirety, yeah. Yeah. Ryan, thank give you for that list. Give us individual issues of Rom. Give us uh, specific arcs of Rom. Like I said, we could do 1 through 25. That's actually a pretty coherent arc. But but we can't do 1 through 80. All right. Ryan, thank you for that list. We really uh, appreciate it. Yeah, that was a good list. That was fun. All right. The next list is from CJ Crawl, who is another line stepper. Oh, from NXC. Yeah. Um, the first one on his list is Strike Force Motituri by Peter B. Gillis, number one through twenty. I believe that's Strike Force Motituri. Well, he spelled it wrong. <laughs> okay. Uh, Matt, have you read this? No. Neither have I, and I've, I've I have owned it on multiple occasions. I think by virtue of the fact that I read the misspelled version and believed it to be the title, uh, should be. Evidence enough that I have not. This is it, it's one of those comics you always hear about. It's one of those comics that you always hear about being like super good and ahead of its time. It's always compared to Squadron Supreme. 
Uh, it's got a really good premise, which is that uh, people get superpowers and then they die a year later. Like they're guaranteed to die a year later. Uh, it, it, you know, it's one of those '80s kind of, uh, you know, '80s limited series prestige limited series premises. Uh, but I, I've never actually read it, so I, I can't rank it. I'm sorry. Maybe, maybe we'll come back to it one day. Um, the second one on CJ's list is Howard the Duck, number one through twenty-seven, and Annual Number One by Steve Gerber or Gerber. Is it? We Gerber? are. I've heard it both ways. Okay. I, I, I've heard Gerber more, but I've also heard people say Gerber quite a bit. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure which one it actually is. It looks like it should be Gerber, but that's yes. neither here nor there. Uh, Howard the Duck, the, the initial Steve Gerber Gerber run of Howard the Duck. Steve Gerber Gerber? Yeah. <laughs> Larry, Gary, Terry, Gingrich, Gingrich. <laughs> Yes. I've actually not read this out of the Duck series. I have. Uh, And I think. Then this is all you. I think they're very good comics that, again, have this sort of checkered reputation because because of a movie. (laughs) The movie Howard the Duck did so much to to malign, uh, you know. Those Howard, those original Howard the Duck comics, which so about the uh, first Marvel movie, yes, which are so about, are so about the first Avengers movie, there, bro. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about the uh, I'm talking about uh, Guardians of the Galaxy that Howard the Duck appeared in. <laughs> Howard the Duck, the first Avenger, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Um, no, I'm talking. Yeah, I'm talking about the George Lucas produced Howard the Duck movie in the '80s. How did which, it take us so long to figure out George Lucas was bad? <laughs> It stripped away everything that was good about the character Howard the Duck, and and all the like the cleverness and the smartness of it. Like this this is gonna this is gonna sound like a very like I'm overstating something, and mm-hmm. perhaps I am. But to me, I think Steve Gerber, in in much the same way we revere, uh, we revere Kirby for the way he was able to dramatically state something, Steve Gerber was able to put withering satire into these pithy, these pithy little quotes and, and do such amazing bits of extremely clever satire that somehow still holds up nigh 40 years later. Uh, in these comics, like like trapped in a world he didn't create, is this amazing tagline for a satirical comic book? You know, mm-hmm. um, I think there is so much good to be said about Howard the Duck, and I think Howard the Duck, you know, I I as I've said many times before, I have like a special place for comics that do humor well. And in some ways, I think Howard the Duck set the template for that. Uh, for a lot of, like, you know, mainstream comics that tried to do that later. Even though Marvel, you know, took him off the book, <laughs> eventually. Fired him from uh, the book. Yeah, that, um, that story does not have a, a happy ending. It does not. not I mean, all. it kind of has a happy ending in that uh, Steve Gerber then goes and writes uh, some really good episodes of G.I. Joe. 
and he and he, you know he teamed up with Jack Kirby to uh, create a comic that was entirely a fuck you to Stan Lee. Yes, which man <laughs> delightful. Now that all that said, I, I'm not exactly sure where to rank Howard the Duck. I think it may be weirdly enough. I think it may be comparable to like a devil dinosaur. Um, a Kirby. A, what was that, Chris? I said interesting. Yeah, I mean, like a weird animal comic that is that is like a the creation of a genius creator. Um, I would be more than willing to just put it like between, say, like Devil Dinosaur and Zot. That's. Uh, I mean, look, I haven't read it, but I trust your judgment on that. Okay, I, I think you make a. Uh, I think you make a a good argument for it. Okay. That is where that's going to go. I, I'm sure there, I'm, I guarantee you there will be people who say I should have put it higher. And look, look, you put it, you put it with devil dinosaur. Yeah. That's, I, I think that's a, a fine position. Okay. Yeah. It's above Zot guys. Come yeah. on. Uh, why, the last why are one, we arguing with the emails that we haven't gotten yet? <laughs> mainly just that, that arguing. I don't read anyway. I'm arguing with a ghost Benito who's in the room with me. <laughs> Uh, all right, the last one from CJ Crawl is New Mutants by Chris Claremont, number one through 54. Now, this may also be too big to rank. What do you think this is, Rachel and Miles? <laughs> what do you think, Chris? Is this too much New Mutants? Uh, a, I've never, I don't know why you picked all the ones I haven't read. For this one. I've never been a New Mutants guy. I have never actually read those. I just kind of stuck with Uncanny when I was reading uh, all the Claremont stuff. And I know I should. You don't have to convince me that I should. I know I should. Okay? I will find them. I promise you. Uh, But from what I understand, because again, I do listen to Rachel and Miles, there is at least a shift in there from uh, Bob McCloud to Bill Sienkiewicz. So, (laughs) like, I feel like, again... That is that is disqualified on the count of being a a run and not a story. Yeah. Well, okay, look. CJ and Ryan, both of you, you're both line steppers. If you want to send us additional lists, so since we had to say we can't include those because we haven't read them or they're too long, uh, then send us other lists with the line stepper password and we will do them. All right. The next list from a line stepper is from Timothy Barnett who has given us three stories I know you have read. Okay, good, good. I'm eager to I'm eager to get my uh to get my my cred back here. These are three Jack Kirby New Gods stories. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can do these. The first okay, one Okay, the pact, yeah, that's number 1. That's the new <laughs> number 1. The first one is The Kingdom of the Damned from The Forever People number 4. Ooh, now I will say, is that the that's the one with the uh, the amusement park, right? Yes, I believe yeah. you were right about that. I was gonna say uh, that that was probably gonna be pretty low because the Forever People are, along with the original X Men, are kind of my least favorite Jack Kirby creation. Right. Uh, but that is the best issue of Forever People. That issue rules. I'm actually looking at it right now. The entire idea behind it, the way this book opens, 
is with a splash page uh, where it says, The kingdom of the damned is not a far place. It's not a hidden place. It's in full view of us all. But it has been rigged by a malignant force so that its tormented inmates are seen and heard and ignored. And there's just a shot of this crowd of people banging on these walls and shouting about how they need help and going, what's wrong? A guy actually says, what's wrong with them? Why can't they see our desperate situation? Because, you know, it's a Kirby book. And then you turn the page and it does, you know, it's Kirby scope. So you have the splash page and the double page splash. And you see that all those people are trapped behind the facade of amusement park rides. And... Uh, Darkseid and Desaad are manipulating it so that everyone just sees them laughing uh, and screaming and having a good time when in reality they're being tortured. And it is an amusement, like Darkseid just walks around this amusement park laughing about how children know exactly what he is, but adults kind of refuse to see this horrifying evil, even when it's right in front of their faces. Uh, And Matt, you may have guessed, this is all a metaphor. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it is, I mean, and that's the thing about this book, and that's the thing about Kirby in general, is that everything that happens in this book is literally happening in that book. Darkseid literally has built an amusement park where he is literally trapping people and torturing them. But on a metaphorical level, like, that's how the dark side of humanity works. Like we don't acknowledge the people around us who are going through bad things. Like we all kind of think of ourselves as the heroes of our own story. So we don't, we don't consider the struggles of other people. You know, somebody cuts you off in traffic and you, you just get mad because that guy's an asshole. You don't know if that guy is just kind of not paying attention and being an asshole, or maybe he's trying to get to his, kids piano recital or trying to go see his wife in the hospital or, or something. That is what that book is about. And it's fucking awesome. Some of the best dark side panels, uh, the forever people, by the way, are almost entirely incidental to the plot of this comic. Uh, but it's got some of the best dark side stuff, some of the best decide stuff. Um, if anybody wants to understand dark side and how dark side works, and and how Darkseid is not just about walking out of a portal and saying his name and punching someone. That is the comic to read. It is it's one of the best Kirby books ever. And and I say that with, you know, as a guy who can take or leave 99% of forever people's stories. That comic is awesome. Okay, I I think that that impassioned uh argument for it is is pretty much all that needs to be said. Um I mean, okay, I guess we'll start with this. Do we think it's better than Mr. Miracle number nine? Okay, and that's that's the Hyman story. That's the Hyman story. I do. I mean, okay. Hyman's really good, but like, I mean, look, Darkseid's one of my favorite villains in comics. It's like... That's, that's, what, that's what really, I think, sets that story apart, is that it's such a definitive Darkseid story. Yeah. It just and, happens and look, to Darkseid's be... Darkseid's in Hyman, too. Yeah, yeah, but it, this one's like a definitive, like figure out who Darkseid is story. Yeah, this um, is this is I think you know it's it's the Rosetta Stone for uh, understanding uh, Darkseid. Like you, everything 
clicks into place with that issue in a way that doesn't necessarily like it shows you why he's not why why he's different from all the other villains. You know why he's not Mongol. Why he's not Thanos. You know. Directly above Hyman is Fantastic Four, this man, this monster, and I do not think it's better than that. I think it's close. I think it's real close. Uh, this man, this monster is really good. This man, this monster is Lee and Kirby at the best possible moment of their uh, their collaboration. And I don't know if uh, uh, Happy Land is Jack Kirby on his own, is, is the peak of Jack Kirby, you know? I, I, uh, there are probably better, uh, for, like, the pact is probably better than, uh, probably better than Happy Land. But I, I, I feel like, yeah, it can go below this man, this monster. Okay, that is where it's going. The next one that we have is from The New Gods number 6, The Glory Boat. Oh shit, the glory boat. Okay. Glory boat's not as good as Happy Land, and it's not as good as Hyman. Okay. But it's but it's good as hell. <laughs> glory, the glory boat rules. That's that's when the glory boat shows up, man. <laughs> I don't have like I do not have an impassioned speech. What what number is that? New, that's New Gods nine? Num- number six. Six, six. Nine is Hyman. Uh I do not have an impassioned speech about uh, the glory boat like I do about Happy Land. Uh, it's just like, if you want to understand Darkseid, read Happy Land. If you want to understand Jack Kirby, <laughs> read the glory boat. There are better New God stories. I think there's better Kirby stories. The glory boat's great, and the glory boat has that amazing full page uh, where they are riding the glory boat. <laughs> Where they're, you know, Light Ray and Orion, you know, if we must die, let New Genesis live. Uh, that's, it's really good. But it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's not as good as other Kirby stuff we have on the list. Okay, where, where do you think, where do you think the glory boat lands? Okay, <laughs> where do I think the glory boat ends up? Uh, it's not as good as Hyman. I would say it's probably, comparatively... Uh, it's it's definitely above OMAC. Okay. Uh, the neighborhood that I'm looking at is like Great Darkness Saga, uh, O'Neill and Cowan's Question. Uh, it, it's probably better than Man of Steel. So the the what we have to decide is is it above or below whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow? Whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow is really good. Like it's. You know, and it sucks because I feel like whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow has been beaten, you know, beaten into hamburger over the years. Yes, it has. But you know, just just think about how uh, think about how good it was when that showed up on JLU. Think about how good that animated adaptation of it was. Um, I'm gonna say Glory Boat <sighs> below whatever happened. That feels right. That feels right to me. That's that's where my that's where my gut is. Okay. Uh, one more from Timothy Barnett. The paranoid pill from Miracle Man number three. Oh shit, that's a good one. Too. <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite death trap in comics, by the way. Yes, uh, you've written you've written extensively about that. 
Yeah, if, if anyone wants to know, like, the, the dude who loves Death Traps, what's his favorite? It's when Dr. Bedlam says, hey, here's the deal. All I need you to do is go from the top floor of this building to the bottom floor of this building. If you walk out the front door, uh, then you live. And if you, and that's it's 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 a die, it's die hard. <laughs> it's reverse die hard. It's reverse the raid redemption, uh, which makes it a reverse dread as well. And, and again, it's Kirby loved to play with the idea of people being willing to give up their you know people being kind of lured into giving up their concern for others, people being tricked into a kind of dangerous solipsism. Uh, and, and this shows up again and again and again. And it's, you know, it's in, uh, it's in happy land. It's in the justifiers. It's the anti-life equation. That's what the anti-life equation is. Uh, it's isolation as opposed to community with this story, this Mr. Miracle story. It's like, again, it is made completely literal when Dr. Bedlam just, you know, doses everybody with with hallucinogens and makes them think uh scott free is a vampire which is another thing that kirby liked to play with kirby loved doing weird ass vampire stories but yeah you know it it turns them into a a mob and so it's mr miracle the ultimate escape artist against a a mob of of crazed people who want him dead uh the only thing that holds it back is that mr miracle's escapes are all complete bullshit (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like they're all like oh oh yeah you know i got locked in a safe and then i cut it open with a laser and the laser also had a grappling hook in it and the grappling hook was anti-gravity which you know that's kirby comics uh so yeah i would say like that's i I do think that's better than glory boat but i don't think it's as good as hyman i, I don't think what's that it's hyman Oh no, it's it's definitely not as good as Hyman. I don't think it's as good as like Tom Strong, even. Okay. Like they're like it's it's not as good as Next Wave. It's not as good as Preacher. Man, we were talking about Preacher the other night. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh man. Uh I think I I would put that specific story above Why the Last Man, but you like Why more than I do. So what is right below Why? Uh, right below Why is Transmet, Transmet and then Ecstatics. And and look. Those are all good comics. Yeah, I, I want to make that clear. We're working. You, we're working on the top of the list. If you wanna, if you wanna put it between Tom Strong and Y, I wouldn't stop you because I know how much you love it. And, <laughs> so and this look, is a favor. Well, and and it is a good, a really cool escape from a trap story. Yeah. Okay, well, then I'm going to do it. Uh, the okay. Paranoid Pill goes below Tom Strong, above Why the Last Man. I think we have time to do one more. All right, let's, let's lightning round it. Let's, let's do it quick. All right, this one's from Sean Waters. Thank you, Sean. Uh, who is also a line stepper. These are all Kurt Busiek or Kurt Busiek related. Kurt Busiek and Jace? Well, some, some are Kurt Busiek uh, mage. Some are Kurt Busiek and Jace. Uh, the first one is Aerosmith by Kurt Busiek and Carlos Pacheco. Uh, Aerosmith's one, probably Kurt Busiek's most underrated comic. Yes, I I'm with you on that. I mean, it's I mean they're they're very different comics, but but the new series of Busiek's that they keep changing the name of. <laughs> it was Tooth and Claw when it started. 
Uh, I don't know the. T- I don't remember the title of it now. Is it not Tooth and Claw anymore? It changed. It was solicited as Tooth and Claw, though. It changed. To so- it changed titles. Okay. Um, but in a weird way, I kind of see Aerosmith and Tooth and Claw as being comparable, like weirdly related. Like they're, they're similar Kurt Busiek projects. Basically, well, it- when he when he tries to get away from superheroes, he ends up doing vaguely fantasy related stuff. Yeah, if anybody hasn't read Aerosmith, it's first of all, it's gorgeous. Carlos Pacheco, it's absolutely unbelievable. Beautiful. Yeah, uh, it's it's World War One with magic. Yes. World War One with with dragons. It's it's like it's like if World War One was had D and D shit thrown into it. <laughs> yeah, it, it it's like if you were wondering what uh what it, uh J.K. Rowling was talking about when she talked about Grindelwald. Uh, duking it out with uh, Dumbledore. That's the shit it is. <laughs> and it's really good. Like, it's its enjoyable. its uh, It all holds together really well. It's a compelling story. Uh, I think it's actually very memorable. Uh, again, super underrated. Uh, which is weird, because it's like... It's a steampunk Jace, too. Yes, but I, I think it's just... It came at a time which would have been, like, the late 90s. If yeah. I remember right, late nineties, um, early. I might have been working at the store when it came out, so it might have been early two thousands. I, I think it came. It came at a time where it was not seizing on a trend. Yeah, yeah. It, it was it, this like, weird thing. Two years later, yeah, would have been would have been great. But I also th- like. I think it's weirdly influential. Like that, like revisionist history stuff is is really. Like really caught on after that, yeah, no joke. Um, I would say like like uh, very underrated for our purposes. Where are we going to properly rate it? Uh, I don't know. Aerosmith's good, man. Aerosmith uh, going out the door beats a lot of comics. I I think the one thing or the main thing going against it is that I remember a lot of like details about Aerosmith. I remember a lot of visuals from Aerosmith, but you I, don't remember the the overarching plot. I couldn't tell you like I couldn't describe to you the pl- like what happened from issue 1 to issue 6. I fully agree with you cuz I'm the same way and I kind of wonder if that's because we have not read it in 10 years. <laughs> I mean, I haven't read it in probably yeah, 15 years. Yeah, you know, when it, we haven't read it since it came out. Yeah, but I, I remember I, eating it up when it came out. Yeah, um, the where the place that I'm looking at is, uh, I would say, like right under the Ghost in the Fortress of Solitude. Uh, like I would put it in the the Thunder Frog, Age of the Century, uh, Goodwin and Simonson Manhunter area, and and Goodwin and Simonson Manhunter is pretty fucking good. Yeah, also in there is the last Iron Fist story. Um, well actually, now that I'm looking at it, it's 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 not as good as Doom Quest. Okay. It's not as good as Vampire State, it's not as good as Apocalypse War. It's not as good as Final Crisis. It is as good as Secret Wars. <laughs> Between Final Crisis and Secret Wars? I think that's the place for it. Done. All right. Next up on this Kurt Busiek adjacent list is Superman Secret Identity by Kurt Busiek and Stuart Eminen. That's a good-ass comic. It's a very good-ass comic. (laughs) 
that's like if you ask me like hey what's a good ass comic i'd probably be like oh superman secret entity is that the one you're talking about uh another book with just gorgeous absolutely gorgeous art stunning and the thing is you would not believe that book was drawn by the same guy who drew next wave you would not believe it if you saw them next to each other you could see little bits of the style being similar, but he really changed it up. Uh, like, there's a, there's a wholesomeness to Secret Identity <laughs> that is absent from Next Wave. Yeah, 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 completely. Uh, I would say it's. I'm going to make a bold a bold predict here. Going to make a bold a bold state. All right, I guess let's, it's not a prediction. I guess it's a, it's a, pro- a proclamation. Let's hear it. A bold bold procla. Right here. Secret Identity is the best Superman Elseworlds book. So you're saying it's better than, like, Red Sun? Better than... Uh, I would say it's better than Red Sun, yeah. Uh, what are some other Superman Elseworlds books? Uh, there's uh, Cal by Dave Gibbons, which is where he is a knight. That was the first time I ever saw the B word in a comic. <laughs> okay. Uh, there's speeding bullets. What if Superman was Batman? Okay. Um, what else we got? What else we got? Was, was, uh, I guess Superman for all seasons. Was it technically an Elseworlds book? Was it? No, that was, that was just Superman year one. Okay. I do think Secret Identity is better than for all seasons. And I do like for all seasons a lot. It's the best yeah. Jeff Loeb Tim sale book by far. I, I fully agree with that. Okay, we've already oh, established. We should that- say, for people who who don't know, uh, Secret Entity is about is a comic set in the real world about a guy named Clark Kent, right? Who, uh, you know, always gets made fun of because he has the same name as Superman, and then he gets superpowers, and then he starts dating a girl named Lois Lane. <laughs> it sounds kind of silly. When you describe it, it. it sounds super silly. It's but so in, good in execution. It is so good. Um, okay, so we've already we've already established that it's better than Red Sun. Yes. Okay, so that puts it. You know that that cuts off like a bottom part of the list that we don't have to worry about or think about. Yeah. And um, Red Sun, we should say, Red Sun is below the middle of the list. Yeah, it is. That's how good this list is. That like Red Sun and Flex Mentallo and the Dracula issue of Uncanny X-Men, those are like below average on this list. This is a very top heavy list. Which is weird because for a long time people were aiming for that bottom spot. Everybody wanted to knock out Identity Crisis. Yeah. Um, do we think – okay, since we're looking at other Elseworld stories, okay. I, I think I know the answer to this. But do we think that uh, – Secret Identity is better than The Nail, Another Nail. Uh, I like those comics a lot, but yes, yeah, Secret Identity I, is better than those. I agree with that completely. Completely different, but you know, I, I do think, yes, better. Do we think it's better than... Hmm. I don't know. I'm not sure where else to look for, for comparison. Um well, well, I don't. Is think there a neighborhood you're looking at? I mean, I'm just. I'm mostly looking at Red Sun because, you know, I don't think it's better than, say, I mean, New Frontiers and Elseworlds technically. 
We've got, um, we've got another nail well above that, though. Yeah. Well, only two slots above that. So, uh, I oh, would yeah, say right. it's... Better than Planetary? Comparable to Planetary? I think pl- that might be where it ends up going, because I don't know if it's better than E is for Extinction, or the Ellis Stormwatch, or even Planet Hulk. Uh, yeah, I think... I think it's it's I I know in my heart it is better than the first volume of Walking Dead. I could not tell you if it was better than Planetary, so I think that's where we're putting it. Between Walking Dead and Planetary? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Done and done. Uh and the last one here on Sean's list is Ruins by Warren Ellis, Cliff and <laughs> Therese Nielsen, and Chris Muller. <laughs> Oh man, let me go ahead and scroll down a little bit. <laughs> this is a, this is a comic I have not read. So, oh, have you never read Ruins? I've never read Ruins. Oh, it's so it bad is the wrong word, but it is. It's bad. <laughs> it's Warren Ellis being a dick about Marvels. Uh, and it's uh, essentially it's another book about Phil Sheldon, but instead of the kind of bright and optimistic man-on-the-street look at the Marvel Universe that you got from uh, Marvels, which is essentially, you know, Marvels is in continuity. Marvels is how all that shit happened. Right. Ruins is this weird Elseworld, you know, or it's not an Elseworld, excuse me, it's an Alterniverse, the short-lived Marvel term for non-continuity stories, uh, where it's just like, how can we make this more depressing? Like, there's a part where he goes to I want to say, and it's been a long time since I've read it, so I might not have the the details correct. But it's like he goes to an internment camp where the original X Men are, and they're just all like fucked up and terrible. <laughs> like Kitty Pride's like missing legs because she phased, you know, she didn't phase all the way through a wall, and uh, it's like it's hilariously. Like it, it is very clear in retrospect, knowing what we know about Warren Ellis, that, that he like thought it was hilarious to do are you, it. Are you saying Warren Ellis, Warren, Warren Ellis was having a laugh? I, th- I think Warren Ellis was having a bit of a laugh, <laughs> having a little, having a little chuckle at the expense of the fans. But like it is presented, and, and this is the joke of it: it is presented like dead, gritty, serious. Uh, but in that way, where like the more you, the more Warren Ellis comics you read, the more you're like, okay, this guy's fucking with us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like that dude spent a weekend thinking up, like, okay, what is the shittiest way this could go? Like, like Peter Parker like gets cancer from the spider and dies. <laughs> like, and all through it, like you see Phil Sheldon wandering around, and he's like, I don't think it's supposed to be this way. <laughs> so where does it where does it rank? Do you think? It's it's like it's it's like the cult bad to be honest with you. Like okay, I think it's probably like it's it's arguably better than the cult because the cult was very serious. Like the cult was trying. The cult was intended to be a story you took seriously, right? And but ruins at the same time might actually be worse than the cult because it's just so like. It is, it is, it is Warren Ellis stomping on Kurt Busiek's sandcastle. Yeah, I also, 
I don't know. I have a little bit of a tough time with any any art that has obvious contempt for its audience. Like I, I, I don't like being talked down to by the comics I'm reading. <laughs> yeah, and it's like it's been long enough since I've read it that I can't remember how much of that is actually in there against how much of it is just like, oh, wouldn't it be hilarious if all this stuff was just fucked up and terrible? <laughs> like, like I can't remember if it's it, ha, where it falls on the uh, on the Mark Miller scale. You right. Know, the the uh, it, old man Logan to wanted scale. Yeah. Is it is it just an attempt to be like, isn't this funny? Or is it actively like, hey, hey, audience, fuck you. You know? Yeah. I mean, it ain't kick-ass. Yeah. Uh, we can agree it's better than Flashpoint. Yes? Oh, yeah, Flashpoint's garbage. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it's just whether it goes above or below the cult. Yeah, like, it's it's not, it, I mean, it's not as good as, like, it's, I mean, look, I, I'm looking at what we have above Flashpoint. You put Forever Evil on there. You argued for that one. <laughs> It made me laugh in places. <laughs> yeah, it's so it's not like it's not as good as Forever Evil. Uh, like yeah, I, I would say it probably goes. I would like I hate the cult, but I would rather read the cult again than read Ruins again. Okay, that there it is. It's between the cult and Flashpoint. So and, and look, look. I just want to point out. Uh, Warren Ellis has made a real good showing on this hey, list so far. Transmetropolitan is highly ranked. Yeah, Next Wave is like is like top twenty. Yeah, Stormwatch so, like look, top Warren, quadrant. Warren, we got nothing against you. Yeah, we look. We're we're fans. You know, Planetary is uh, like Planetary is one of our measuring stick comics in this. That's right. All right, uh, we got in four lists in this special. Even though some of those lists we had to like you know, not do parts of. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, everybody. But, uh, thanks for sending on the, in those lists, everybody, we will be doing another special in March. So, uh, get ready for that. Take, take, uh, 28 days to prepare yourself, prepare your body, mind, and spirit <laughs> for another, every story ever <laughs> special. Do some meditation, go under the waterfall. We will be back to see you then. In the meantime, we'll be doing our weekly episodes of War Rocket Ajax and uh, Movie Fighters and everything else. Go check out our Every Story Ever list on WarRocketAjax.com. I desperately hope to have that updated very soon. If you know the episode numbers, by the way, (laughs) for the uh, entries that do not have episode numbers, um, then uh, let me know what those are. I need some help there. And that's it. That's it for this special. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, High Minded MW for Matt at the ISB for me. Follow us on Twitter, Matt. Uh, all right, that's it, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Forever, 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 ever, forever. Yes. From this day on, as every greed of Mongol lived together.